and welcome to Say Hi to the Future, a podcast aimed at highlighting the human side of ingenuity, clever, inventive, and original thinking. My name is Ken Tenser, CEO of SpiderWorks, a leading business consultancy for mid-market organizations and entrepreneurs globally. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. With me today is Ignacio Mongrel, Assistant Director of iCube, home of social entrepreneurship and early stage startups at UTM, and Jonathan Redbird, co-founder of Redbird Circle. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. Ignacio, Jonathan, welcome to Say Hi to the Future. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. So, Ignacio, let's let's start with you. You and I have known each other for, for a little while now. Um, tell us a little bit about iCube at uh, UTM. Absolutely. Um, so I can start saying that IQ is one of the many accelerators that are part of the University of Toronto, uh, but it's the only one located in the Minnesota campus. And the Minnesota campus is fairly big. We have uh, about 17,000 full-time students there. But the way IQ is different uh, from the other incubators and accelerators that are part of UFT is that uh, we have a focus on social enterprises and in supporting underrepresented groups in entrepreneurship. So we care a lot in creating programming that is inclusive, and uh, we try to support uh, those folks that haven't had uh, support uh, for other programs uh, before. So we have programming for indigenous entrepreneurs, we have program for 2S LGBTQ plus entrepreneurs, for female entrepreneurs, and so on. So um, many, many of our programs have that equity, diversity, and inclusion lens. Um, so we exist basically to support and help students, alumni, and people that are in the community that have no ties with UFT. We help them uh, start new businesses. We focus on early stage, so people come to us sometimes with an idea, and we have a program that is right for them at the idea stage. And we help them transform those ideas into actual businesses. And we also have programs for uh, startup companies that are a bit more advanced, so they have already a product, a prototype, and they have some sales and they need help with growing, uh, with raising funds, uh, with mentoring, coaching, and so on. And we provide that as well. So um, that's who we support and uh, basically a brief description of our program. Well, that's a, that's a great platform to have. And I, and, I, and I know, again, knowing you and knowing the platform and, and IQ for a few years, uh, the great work you do. And so one of the areas that you mentioned was indigenous um, entrepreneurship and the indigenous entrepreneurship program. So Jonathan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about Redbird? Sure. Yeah. So I'm Anishinaabe from a community called Saugeen, uh, which is located in Southern Ontario. I've been working in the entrepreneurship and economic development space my whole life. Uh, started very early uh, working out of Humber College and supported Humber with uh, an elder, Shelley Charles, uh, who's, who's from Nawash First Nation. And her and I created the Aboriginal Resource Centre at the time. There was no Aboriginal resource services provided at the college. And uh, her and I were the, the founding team in developing a strategy to increase uh, student enrollment and to increase uh, student retention, specifically Indigenous students. Uh, but after education, I got into business financing. So I 
helped lead a, uh, an organization called Wabatech, which is Ojibwe for seeing the future. And uh, I supported in their expansion into Southern Ontario, uh, specifically the GTA and nine First Nation communities in Southwestern Ontario, uh, which we doubled their loan portfolio uh, during that time. And, and that really was my first taste into economic development with First Nation governments. Uh, but then I was brought back to the city when uh, the city of Toronto uh, brought me in as a consultant to help lead this vision of creating the world's largest Indigenous incubator uh, partnered with the city of Toronto. And so I was brought in to do the research, the community engagement, and develop a business plan on what the space would look like, 22,000 square foot facility. Wow. Uh, just blocks away from Young and Dundas Square. That experience led me to uh, developing uh, my master's thesis at Queens, uh, which which then was the the birthplace of Redbird Circle. Essentially, a different way to do business from an indigenous lens, indigenous worldview uh, that was focused more on the founder rather than the business acumen or business skills that many founders uh, were dealing with mental health issues, were dealing with various uh, traumas, whether it be intergenerational or throughout their childhood. So before you can start building a business, we needed to focus on the founder and healing the founder. Uh, so we used a Anishinaabe uh, framework that was taught to me by Elder Shelley Charles uh, from Humber College. Elder Jim Dumont, and my grandfather, uh, Dr. Duke Redbird, uh, who's also an elder in the community. So I brought all of this pedagogy, this Indigenous philosophy uh, to the business curriculum and, and uh, did my master's degree in this, showing that uh, there's a different way to do business and a different way to teach business uh, to the next generation of entrepreneurs. That's uh, that's quite an incredible story. I mean, one uh, obviously drawing from your family when you mentioned your your grandfather and the elders in the community to be called on by the city of Toronto to build such an incredible iconic center. Um, uh, just you know, congratulations for that. And I guess Ignacio, I mean, I, I hear this. I, I hear what Jonathan is talking about. It's it's really quite breakthrough. How did you at at UT? How did you at IQ meet Jonathan and how did um, this become an in Redbird Circle become, you know, an integral part of what you're doing? Absolutely. Um, Redbird Circle is everything to us in regards to like uh, the Indigenous Entrepreneurship Program. As I mentioned, IQ, uh, we focus on supporting underrepresented groups in entrepreneurship. Uh, so we, we saw an, an opportunity in getting some funding from uh, the federal government uh, in creating a, a, a program supporting indigenous entre entrepreneurs. And uh, we applied for that funding and we were successful. And then we were um, kind of tasked with creating or uh, yeah, creating these programs for entrepreneurs uh, at UFT and, and the communities uh, around UFT. And at that time, Jonathan was doing um, his master's in Queen along with uh, a co-worker of mine uh, that she did this introduction. That's how we met. Um, because we knew at IQ that uh, an Indigenous entrepreneurship program was not something that 
uh, we had the know-how or the ability to do. Uh, we needed uh, to let Indigenous folks create and uh, run a program that is uh, true to Indigenous worldviews and uh, will bring value uh, with the community. So that's how we we connected with uh, with Jonathan, uh, who right away um, I thought they were Red Bed was was a great fit uh, for for helping us out with this, and we started working right away. We figured out, and uh, there was a lot of work at the beginning in terms of uh, uh, like assessing the needs of the different communities that were interacting. Uh, with UFT internal or external in terms of uh, uh, like indigenous participants and how uh, this this program was going to be built. Uh, so there was a lot of consultation groups and a lot of uh, chatting with uh, community members and uh, kind of investigating what what the need was. But it sounds like a great foundation for the relationship and and certainly the way you think and the way that Jonathan is describing. And, and Jonathan, I think it sounds like a pretty special relationship in the sense of you, you talked about starting with a founder and healing. And, and I also saw uh, in, in some of the work that you've done, it talks about healing, educating, training, and empowering Indigenous people. That is a pretty broad mandate for a, a startup or a scale-up. So talk a little bit about why this is so important to you and how IQ has stepped up and 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 taken on what I would say is 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 a very non-traditional um, approach compared to a lot of the get that business up and going. It's about finance. It's about getting products out the door. Full stop. Yeah, it's uh, Redbird Circle is is very much a startup. It was an idea that quickly became a reality, and it was due to the partnership with IQ and uh, due to the people at iCube uh, you know it it takes unique folks to see beyond the quantitative right where most um, individuals at institutions uh, like post-secondary uh, they're very much centralized on numbers how many people can we put through a program how much uh, money can can be developed? How much employment can be developed? Uh, so, so to have folks like Ignacio, a part of iCube, uh, understand that we're looking for quality rather than quantity, and uh, that we would be doing something very different from the traditional entrepreneurship program, and and really this didn't come from me as an individual. It came from the community as. Ignacio mentioned, uh, we did conduct uh, research and, and conducted community scan uh, to understand what does the Indigenous community uh, of the GTA, what do they want in an entrepreneurship program? And it was very different from what is in the market at this time, uh, where traditional entrepreneurship programs are very individualistic where individuals are doing their own business, that individuals then compete at a pitch competition at the end of the program. There's a first place, a second place, and a third place, where the Indigenous community wanted something very different, where they didn't want competition, but rather collaboration, where they wanted to see how they can work together as a community to solve a larger problem, 
not for individual uh, profits or individual status uh, and, and moving up or climbing uh, a corporate ladder or, or to achieve great awards or success. It was all about the community. It was all about uh, solving a larger problem. It was beyond individualism. And that is what Indigenous entrepreneurship is all about. And it doesn't fit in the uh, square peg of business curriculum, unfortunately. So uh, it was it was a blessing that uh, Ignacio understood that Indigenous entrepreneurship would be different from traditional entrepreneurship and, and to allow us the uh, uh, flexibility to develop curriculum based on what the community's input was. And it was incredibly successful where we had uh, folks from all across the country, Indigenous folks from Whitehorse, Yukon to St. John's, Newfoundland, and everywhere in between uh, come together and call each other uh, cousins, call each other family uh, in a very short order, which, uh, you know, is not typical of any other entrepreneurship program out there where folks planned uh, family gatherings and, and barbecues, even though they were in different provinces. Uh, and and they were, they were just, uh, you know, strangers who became family. And it was an incredible thing to watch and see because uh, when we built that relationship in that short period of time, incredible healing occurred where folks were sharing the traumas that they experienced as children or that their parents experienced or that their grandparents experienced and how that lingered and passed on to the next generation. Uh, so it was uh, it was incredible to have an opportunity uh, to to implement a different way of doing business. It's very heartening. I mean, one I, I've been an entrepreneur for a, a very long time. Um, the the one thing about business is yes, at some point you need to sell something, you need to run a profit, but it's not that one business succeeds and another has to fail. And and so why when you're describing the community to me again it's it's very heartening because a lot of businesses can start a lot of businesses can scale and a lot can succeed and bringing them together in the way that you're describing i i think is um it's it's a wonderful well it's wonderful thinking and it's unfortunate that it takes so long sometimes to to get to that so ignacio how do you take some of these learnings and incorporate them into the broader narrative um, outside of the Indigenous entrepreneurship program because they're very powerful. Community is very powerful. Healing is very powerful. Is that something that is going on too or, or planned? Yes, uh, for sure. Um, and I have to say, uh, when I was like writing the grant application and thinking of having an Indigenous entrepreneurship program, I mean, the first one at UFT, uh, I thought it was going to be easy. I thought it was, okay, and we're going to take a lot of parts for our programs that we have and then uh, have uh, Indigenous identified speakers and uh, kind of do a mix, right, from our from other, like, programs that we have running and they're successful. Uh, but no, that, when, when I started doing some research, research, I realized that's not the case. And when we ran our first cohort uh, with Ripper Circle, yeah, it, it was eye-opening. It was so different from any other programs 
that uh, that we had for supporting entrepreneurs. For sure, I, I was learning from all the sessions and uh, trying to bring things uh, to the sessions uh, to, I mean, to, to the other programs that we run at IQ. Um, I, I remember like each of the sessions was starting with with healing and with a lot of sharing and emotions, uh, which was um, different to me. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't used to and. Uh, first, I joined as an spectator, but at one point, uh, I decided I'm going to share what's going on uh, in my mind, what was happening in my world too. So even sharing those um, uh, like small pieces of my mind or uh, frustrations or uh, things that were uh, not helping me sleep in a way uh, was very helpful for. I mean, not only understanding the program and a feeling that also I was in a way part of the family that John was uh, describing, but also, I, I don't know, it, it made me a happier person. It made me uh, feel better about, about different things. And yes, I mean, we tried to, to bring some of those learnings um, to uh, other programs uh, that we have uh, at IQ. Um, and especially part of the community building uh, pieces that we take, uh, how uh, the first cohort of the Indigenous Entrepreneurship Program that we run, uh, instead of uh, each individual working on their own uh, business, on their own idea, they decided to come together. Uh, they identified a problem uh, that um, was affecting all of their communities and decided to work together to solve that problem and create like a cooperative enterprise or a cooperative approach. There's a lot of different learnings when we, that we take from indigenous uh, entrepreneurship programs, and then we we apply to, to other programs that we have at IQ. It sounds very impactful, and it sounds like it was quite cathartic for you as well, which is, um, I think, being in business or overseeing IQ as you do, that must be a wonderful feeling of, of accomplishment or partnership, if you will. So, Jonathan, can you tell us a little bit about some of the the individuals who are in the cohort, some of the challenges that they that they look to solve together? Yeah. So, in our first cohort, we had individuals who uh, were from every province, uh, including the territories, uh, from from folks who. Uh, lived or grew up on reserve and currently on reserve uh, to folks that are living in urban settings and and uh, struggling to uh, find their their place in in an urban setting where real estate costs are are significantly higher, uh, where reserve uh, real estate does not have uh, a market, it does not have appreciation and. No intergenerational wealth was created off the land, like uh, how immigrants have came here and, and purchased land with mortgages and, you know, accumulated significant wealth from the land. So uh, indigenous people are leaving the reserve and coming to cities and, and struggling. Uh, it's, it's too costly to own a home. It's becoming very costly to live. And uh, so the group of uh, individuals from all across the country, from, uh, you know, remote communities that people were living in the bush, still hunting and foraging and living off the land, came together and wanted to solve the problem that urban indigenous people are facing. Uh, 
so it wasn't a problem that they were facing, but right. they understood it might be a problem for their grandchildren or great-grandchildren. Uh, essentially, what we uh, came together to try to solve was uh, food sovereignty, the ability to have healthy food, access to nut- nutritious food, and to turn it into a potential business. And so that was the 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 problem that we were trying to solve and the solution that we were trying to create. And, and uh, we wanted this solution to be a scalable solution that we would offer uh, freely to other Indigenous organizations across the country to teach them how to uh, enable urban Indigenous people to connect to the land, uh, to connect to plant medicines, and to share that knowledge of food and medicine. In the 12 weeks, in a short time, we came up with this this problem and this solution. However, after 12 weeks, uh, it was tough to continue working uh, virtually and isolated and and to coordinate. So uh, we at uh, Redbird Circle and at iCube and and at the University of Toronto, we, we said we need to continue this vision, this mission. And so we worked to collectively. Uh, we brought on an Indigenous organization from the city to help lead this initiative called the Indigenous Network. And what we did was uh, we put together a plan to develop green homes, greenhouses, uh, with vertical farming units and uh, to, to build a, a relationship with the university that had access to uh, significant land in the city to build a relationship with the institution to uh, lease the land, to utilize the land uh, to for our purposes. And uh, we did that. We got a, a lease agreement. We got these greenhouses. We got the vertical farming hardware. And our goal is to uh, show urban Indigenous people how they can grow products uh, for example, strawberries, and uh, instead of just selling the strawberries directly through a farmer's market, how to get a high margin product such as uh, gems and, right. and going through a canning process to get uh, higher margins and, and higher yields. Uh, another example was squash, where instead of selling that individual squash for a dollar fifty. Uh, you can put all the dry ingredients of squash soup in a mason jar and sell the convenience of of squash soup uh, for ten to fifteen dollars rather than a dollar fifty. So uh, our our goal was to to get indigenous youth off the streets, you know, not connected to what comes with poverty, often gang activity, get them connected to the land teach them how the land is is abundant and it provides and teach them the medicines that grow from the land, how to nurture the spirit of those plants and eventually turn that into uh, economic resources where they can now generate own source revenue uh, from the land. And we're doing this in partnership with institutions of power uh, in this uh, notion of reconciliation where uh, education and, and religion uh, were, were two big hindrances to Indigenous language, Indigenous culture, Indigenous youth. And now it's a time of reconciliation. So it's a time where 
churches, uh, post-secondary institutions that have mass amounts of land in the cities and don't pay property tax, how can they reconcile with Indigenous populations by offering those lands uh, to grow, to grow produce, to grow products, uh, and and, uh, for us to provide our teachings again? to teach uh, youth about the language, teach them about our culture, our worldview, uh, which comes from nature. Uh, That was our first institution of knowledge. So we're bringing all of this back. We're documenting the process, and we're going to be sharing this uh, with folks from all across the country, how they can reconcile with Indigenous populations in urban settings and teach Indigenous people entrepreneurship, but also uh, the healing that that comes from being on the land, having your feet, your hands in the soil, uh, you know, creating relationships with plants and medicines, and then offering that to the general population. And so, Jonathan, as, as you describe that, you, you talk about, you spoke about the specific cohort and and, and the learnings and um, the learnings of, of of living from the land and and the empowerment. You also talked about sharing with other communities. How do you bring this all together to share this experience um, outside of these cohorts? Because j- just as I put to Ignacio, I mean, the, the the learnings are so powerful. How do you how do you how do you get it out there? How do you make it impact more people? It's it's uh, it's the word of mouth. Uh, in in uh, our community, we call it the Moggason Trail, where uh, uh, good news travels quickly and travels uh, vastly. And so uh, by having folks in our first cohort uh, all across the country, uh, they've become champions of this way of thinking, this way of doing business. And they're leaders in their own communities and they have their own networks and so uh, they're very excited of what's happening at the University of Toronto. They've been following us and staying in touch with us. And they're looking forward to bringing this to their local communities and supporting these relationships where, where we can get access to the land again and uh, get access to our language, our culture again, and, and doing it in a way that generates some, some jonia, some money to support mm-hmm. young people. So it's it's uh, it's very different from you know a, a venture capitalist type business, which you know is looking to square, scale incredibly quickly and and you know generate uh, uh, huge margins as soon as possible. Where profit is the least priority in in our models, we're first thinking of the planet, our mother, the earth, and and then thinking of our people, the community that that uh, is stewards of these lands. And then profit is is will come with good work, and and that's how we believe, and that's what we believe in, and that's what we live by, and uh, it's very different from you know a Western way of thinking where it's uh, you know using tech, using uh, uh, social media, using Facebook ads to get as much business as possible, drive as much revenue as possible as quickly as possible find a a venture capitalist to help scale it as quick as possible. It's all about speed and profits. Uh, It's, it's very different worldview. And uh, you know, it's, it's this uh, what we teach in our curriculum is this two eyed seeing 
is to understand both worlds, to know that these two worlds exist. One is more dominant than the other, uh, but that doesn't mean that our way of doing and our way of living isn't uh, uh, of value, right? It, it, it brings great joy, great happiness, and uh, it makes you feel that uh, it makes your spirit invigorated, that you're on the right path, that it's not about uh, ego, it's not about uh, material, it, it's about that you know, those intrinsic values of uh, community, of, of, you know, well-being, emotions, connected. Uh, these things are things that you cannot buy, often are overlooked. And, uh, you know, I've noticed this from very successful CEOs and founders where they achieve this so-called success, uh, but their children never come around on their birthday, that their wives divorce them. That, that they're alone and empty inside. Uh, so you have to have balance. And that's what we teach is this two-eyed seeing is, yes, you know, having metrics and, and quantitative uh, research and analysis, uh, there's value there. But there's also value in community, well-being, uh, and, and doing this other work that Indigenous people know well. What I'm taking away is that you are impacting and, and, and lifting a generation. And um, I don't know how to measure that, but I have a feeling that the, the impact is going to be just an incredible um, over the next years or, or, or decades. So many thanks for, for sharing that story with us and, and, and coming on today. And as, and as our time comes to an end um, on this uh, episode of Say Hi to the Future, just close with, with one question, and, and that's for Ignacio. Um, what is the future relationship with iCube and, and Redbird Circle? Like, where does this go to? And what have you taken away that can help you establish other like, you know, community-driven uh, programs like this or, 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 or participate in them with other uh, organizations or, or like a Redbird? Because the power that I've heard in this discussion is, is, is immeasurable. So we do have uh, big dreams, for sure. Um, we meet regularly and we kind of strategize and discuss uh, what the future of these partnerships and programs and what we're doing and what, to want to, what we want to achieve overall. Uh, but yeah, we do have like big dreams and uh, the way that we can achieve them is um, by, by partnering with more people, more organizations. Um, we started with Redbird and iCube, and uh, now we have uh, The Bridge, uh, a youth journal in Scarborough, uh, that are also very supportive and uh, a key partner in the, the initiative that Jonathan mentioned uh, with the greenhouses and uh, creating the full sovereignty uh, for many different uh, indigenous communities uh, in that region. Uh, so those, that's something that wouldn't have happened without their help. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're getting more partners and more allies and more people that uh, are aligned with what we see and they want support. Uh, so in order to kind of achieve our dreams and our goals, uh, we need to keep growing that. Uh, but yeah, like, luckily we're seeing a lot of um, a lot of support to all the initiatives that we're having. Sharing your hopes and dreams, showing how it's already impacting other parts 
service of the community. I, I think it's an incredible story. Um, I hope that uh, Jonathan, you and Ignacio can will count say hi to the future as as a supporter, and um, will come back and tell us uh, about some of your future cohorts and about your impact as it as it happens. Because I, I really appreciated both of your your time in joining me today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ken. If you enjoy this episode and you want to support our show, leave us a review and join our mailing list by visiting www.spider.works. That's S-P-Y-D-E-R.works and subscribe to our channel. Leave us a comment with who we should interview next. Thank you for listening and see you all next Friday.